pandemonium. Things in uh, somewhat of a chaotic state here. Hulk Hogan, I'm sure there's going to be a thorough investigation by the World Wrestling Federation into what happened here tonight. And I know you could not be any more disappointed. How much money did they spend on the plastic surgery, man? I had all bases covered. I had the Hulkamaniacs watching. DiBiase, I had Virgil in his place. Never in my wildest dreams, me, Gene, would I think that I would get ripped off by a penny pinching two-timing referee. How much money on the plastic surgery? How much money did he spend to pay the referee off? When I turned around, me, Gene, they were identical. Identical. Right, right here, Hulk. Here it is. Now. Down in the shoulder. The referee is paid off, brother. What did you do in camp? His very first move as the executive was to sign Lamar Odom, who was on crack. Hey, bro, you're listening to the sports desk. You're listening to the sports show, the sports desk. Hey, this reduced lunch sports, man. Come on, man. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to another episode of the Sports Desk. I'm your man's one more time, Dedrick L. Hicks Jr., one of your favorite sportsologists, ready to rock and roll. And remember, folks, that I am always here to give it to you raw and uncut. And this your man, Black, one of your favorite sportsologists in the building, back for another episode. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We have a loaded show for you today. Episode 134. We're going to talk about the malice in the palace, the documentary that came out on Netflix this past weekend. We're also going to get into some National Football League topics. Also going to talk a little WWE. And we're going to talk about a sport that challenges friendships. That challenges uh, family members. It just challenges a lot of people's loyalty. And that sport that I'm talking about is college football. (laughs) We are going to talk a little bit of college football today as a sports desk is transitioning over into uh, the football seasons. All right. But up first, Black, let's go ahead and take a walk down memory lane, man. Let's take a walk down memory lane. And this past week... Uh, a Netflix documentary executive produced by former NBA All-Star Jermaine O'Neal. He is executive producer of this story, this, 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 this nightmare, however you want to call it, that happened in sports, the malice at the palace. And for all who may be too young to know exactly what me and Black are talking about, man, I want to say this was back in two. 2003, mm-hmm. 2003, November 19th, I believe it was, where the NBA was on display for all the wrong reasons. The Detroit Pistons, the Indiana Pacers, two of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, two of the best teams in the NBA, were playing a Friday night game. And how do I remember it was a Friday night? Well, I'll tell you in a second because I have a fantastic story of, of how I walked in and seen this movie-like scene in Detroit. Um, but all hell broke loose in the malice, uh, in the palace. Ron Artest in the stands, Steven Jackson in the stands, Ben Wallace, Rasheed Wallace, fans on the floor, fans getting knocked out, coaches being spit on, chairs being thrown. 
the pictures of David Stern up in the press box were troubling. Mm. The blank look on his face. Just look, just what do we have here? So, Black, I set the tone just to kind of uh, set you up. Take me back, man. And we're going to get into the doc. But take me back on that night or whenever it was that you found out what went on in the palace between the Pacers and the Pistons. Well, uh, I remember it. The after you know looking at the documentary, you know it kind of ref- it refreshed your memory of what like what was going on when you seen that man. And I was, I was sitting at the house and and at that point Detroit and Detroit was you know coming into their own. We had really start hearing about Ben Wallace and you know the crazy hair. They were champions. Hamilton. No, they weren't champions yet. They yeah, they, they beat the Lakers. Oh yeah, the year yeah, before. yeah. They had beat the Lakers. The year before. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. Yeah. But you had start, you know, Rasheed Wallace and those guys. So, and they had just knocked off the Lakers, as you said. Yeah. So, you know, you always kept a, a close eye on, you know, how champions came into the next year. So, and Indiana had very a uh, very nice team around Reggie Miller. Yes. You know, they Jermaine O'Neal literally, you know, was an up and coming talent in the league at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, Jermaine O'Neal was doing his thing when he was traded from Portland. So, you know, I remember being home and watching the game and I could it it, it was so weird how it happened because I was like, okay, this game is pretty much over. It's no use to keep watching it because Indiana had then stepped on their throat, you know. So yep. beat them up. You know, I I happened to walk out the room and go do something else and came back and that's when I seen Ron Test just run. I didn't even get to see the cup throw. Mm-hmm. I just seen him running into the stands. It's running into the stands, attacking the fan. I'm like, oh shoot, man, this he just went crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, not knowing that a cup was thrown on him. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was crazy, like the whole melee and and then now seeing it again, it's stuff that we weren't able to get. We didn't have social media like that. No. So it was stuff that you see on a documentary. He was like, wow, that really happened. Mm-hmm. You know, I never knew about chairs being thrown and this and that. But the 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 main thing when we saw it live was Ron Artest running into the crowd and then Steven Jackson coming to aid him. Those were the two main things for me that I remember from uh, the Malice in the Palace. Yeah, uh, for me, man, I'll never, ever, ever forget the setup that how I learned about the malice uh, in the palace. So long story short, we were out at my brother's football game. My brother played for Trinity Christian, um, starting linebacker number four. And if you know anything about Trinity, wearing that number four is a pretty big deal at Trinity. That jersey number has been retired for many, many years. So we're coming home. It was myself, uh, my brother, uh, Freddie Bricks. Uh, was with me and my cousin Sherrod. We were all on the way home. I had a 1995 aluminum boy. <laughs> I remember that. Time. Yes, sir. And we was riding <laughs> to the house. And back then, you know, like Black said, there was no social media. There was no Twitter. There was no Instagram. The only way you would you could know what was going on in the games is if you had, you know, talk radio or if you had the app on ESPN on your phone. Back then, you did have a way where you can go to ESPN.com and see the scores. I'm not that old. Okay. So we pull up to the house and I'm standing on the north side of Jacksonville on Lim Turner, my boy. And we pull up to the house, we get out the car. 
Me and we all talking about the game, messing with my brother, saying he missed the tackle here, there, and there. You know, Freddie Bricks, you know, we having a good time. And when you walk into my house that I grew up in, soon as you walk in, we had this German television. It was like a 50-inch German television that my father got when he was in the military. So we go in, and the first thing I do, as always, I had this habit of leaving the TV on SportsCenter, channel 48. I had a habit of leaving it on there. And I cut on the TV, and all of us were standing in the like the foyer area of my house, Myself, my brother, Freddie Briggs, and my cousin, Sherrod. And we were literally standing there, like not saying nothing. Words were not being spoken. It literally looked like we were watching a movie. And Freddie actually said, cuz, what movie is this? And I said, cuz, this ain't no movie. This happening right now. So we all ran up front and jumped on the sofa and we are just watching Steven Jackson throw haymakers like we've never seen before. <laughs> Not even the sport of boxing. I've never seen Ali, Tyson, nobody throw the haymakers that Steven Jackson was throwing. Ron Artest's jersey is just ripped down to his belly button. You see Steven, uh, uh, Jermaine O'Neal sliding across the floor, jawing a fan, knocking him completely out. Reggie Miller in a suit, we were in disbelief. We asking ourselves, what is happening? What's going on? So we walked in on this moment in real time. Like as it was, we seen the cup. We seen our test laying down and we seen the cup. And we actually saw him take off into the stands. And Fred took the Twitter as he watched. Me and Fred have not talked about the documentary, but he obviously remembers this too. He said, me and Dedrick Hicks walked into his crib on Lim Turner, literally turned on the Pistons and Pacers game as this was happening. Still cannot believe we caught that the way we did till this day. So wow. Fred remembers, man. Excuse me. So Fred remembers. So just a polarizing moment that took place in the palace that night, which led to Jermaine O'Neal, Steven Jackson, Ron Artest being suspended multiple games. Ron Artest receiving the brunt uh, of the suspensions because this was very early in the season. Mm-hmm. This was this was what six weeks into the season, and yeah. our test was done. Mm-hmm. Jermaine O'Neal called twenty five, Stephen Jack called thirty, um, and there were some other smaller suspensions here and there. I think Ben Wallace called him like ten to fifteen games and stuff like that. So you see this, and then I never thought to the other day, Black, and let me see how you feel about this. But I never thought to the other day, why why haven't we heard these guys talk about this? Why we've never seen these players discuss this? We always see him being brought back up on ESPN, CNN, or whoever, whatever. You always see the anniversary of the Malice anniversary every year, but you never seen these players been able to talk about it. And we learned why. We learned that they basically had an NDA on them, and they could not speak about it for a decade. Crazy. Publicly, they could not speak on it for a decade. So, Black, when you learn that part of it, they didn't think click for you that none of these players were able to talk about this, and literally until this documentary. Um. Yeah, I could believe it because in the documentary, Stephen Jackson he was like, "You really don't realize how much money we all lost behind this." Mm-hmm. Moving f- after, after that, did we ever hear about any one of them making big time money in the league or you know anything in in that nature? Not, of course, it's not the type of money they make now, but you never really you never really heard none of them making outstanding money at that time. In the NBA, Stephen Jackson was like, "Man, it, it it took a toll on the whole. It took a toll on the whole thing, and and 
and to hear that they couldn't talk about it for a decade, would they have wanted to talk about it after something just so like we, everybody was in awe of this? You know, what I mean, everybody couldn't believe it. Everybody's mouths was like open watching this, and Stephen Jackson didn't even want to talk about it no more. Like he, <clears throat> it's like Stephen Jackson didn't even want to want to have to be put in the situation where he talked about it anymore. Mm. And he said that to the camera. So I was like, man, it's crazy to even think about what you said. Them not being able to talk about it for a decade. But um, you can definitely see the impact that it had financially, mentally, physically on those guys. So it's crazy that, you know, bringing it back up and looking at the documentary, man, all that each part everybody had to go through, you know, what they had to go through when that happened. I enjoy the documentary a lot. This is this is stuff that wins awards. Jermaine O'Dell and his team did a fantastic job of bringing everything together. I mean, you had the police force, you had the district attorney, you had some of the fans uh, from there who were beat up by the Pacers. I mean, of course, you got Ron and and, and Jermaine and Stephen Jack talking about it. I mean, you got uh, uh, Reggie Miller, you got the uh, the, uh, the general manager of the Pacers at the time talking about it. Ben I mean, they just got so many people involved to tell this story, but we learned a lot because the one thing that Jermaine O'Neal really zoned in on was a depiction of the these three players. The thugs, uh, these animals, you know, and and the narrative was turned so quickly on these players and it never should have been. The whole reason this thing got started was because Ron Artest was laying on the table and a fan decided to throw a full cup of beer down from the stands and splash Ron Artest in the face. The wrong player to do anything like that too. If that beer would have hit Jermaine O'Neal, do you think Jermaine O'Neal would have ended up there? Mm-mm. I'm going to say no. Even a rough rider like Steven Jack, if that would have hit Steven Jack, do you think Steven Jack would have ended up there? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say Steven Jack would have not ended up there in the, in the way that Ron ended up there. Ron was a loose cannon. He ain't have them all at that point mm-hmm. in time in his career. He went too tight. At that time in career. And he was already on the verge of basically saying, I don't even want to play basketball no more anyway. I want to rap. I want to do this. I want to do that. So Ron was the wrong guy. And from everything that transpired, just two things real quick that I learned. The mere fact that when Ron asked for the trade after everything, the, 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 the cowardly uh, angle that they used, that ultimately became true. You heard Steven Jack speak on it. And Jermaine O'Neal was hurt by it. Yeah. Steven Jack was disappointed, but Jermaine O'Neal was hurt. And, and the totality of it all, Jermaine O'Neal suffered the most. He did. Jermaine I, think he was O'Neal, his, I think he was on his way to be a superstar. Superstar. Bro. Yeah. He was the one who suffered and lost the most. Look how Ron Artest's career eventually mapped out. They documented beautifully. Championship with the Los Angeles Lakers. He's all over the place. He's a his name Metal World Peace. He's doing Dancing with the Stars. I mean, he's he's done everything. He's benefited, unfortunately, from this. Stephen Jack has also done all right with himself. Stephen Jack is doing really good. I ain't seen Jermaine O'Neal, and I don't know how long. Mm-hmm. But it looked like he's doing well though, 
but he had the most to lose. And just the cowardly angle of Ron Artest asking for a trade and what it did to those other guys, you know, it was crazy. And then you learn things in the documentary that you never knew before. Uh, Jamal Tinsley. He calling for the go ahead and get your file back. And now, if that never happened, if that never happened, does the does the, the does, does all he, this happen? No, no, it doesn't. Game was over. They was up eighteen minutes. Something what uh, a minute left in the game, and then you learn what Ben Wallace had just lost his brother, so he's dealing with so much pent up emotion. He looking for anything just to let it go. It don't matter who you are, what you are. Ben Wallace was ready to just get off because he was dealing with the pain of losing his brother. Mm-hmm. And that foul by Ron Artest set Ben Wallace off. You ain't never seen Ben Wallace like that. Mm-mm. Never. So it's a crazy, the domino effect that took place that ultimately led up to this. And I got a real treat watching that fan uh, who got knocked out uh, by Jermaine O'Neal mm-hmm. with the fat mm-hmm. lip for the Pistons. You want to talk about somebody <laughs> sucker punched him. He sucker punched me. My dog said, my dog said, uh, or they asked him, you know, because he ended up getting probation and had to do uh, community service. He said they did a lifelong fan wrong. Yeah. But you want you want to know one thing that really stood out to me about the documentary, and I'm happy that they showed it in that light. And I feel like the guy needs to have a lot of respect for the way that he handled the situation is the lead attorney. The district attorney. The district attorney, they wanted him, or the NBA and David Stern Wanted him, wanted him just to look at the NBA players involved. And he was like, it's too much going on just can't to look at them. Can't do that. You can't do that. And 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 for David Stern and them just to put this this black eye on those three players, David Stern was wrong for that. He was wrong. He was wrong for that. Even when they wanted to bring it up and ask about, you know, the suspensions and this and that, he was like indefinitely by one person. Like nobody else had a say so in this. It was just all him. And that's wrong. And he said it too. And that's wrong. You you just don't do that. And so I'm so I'm so happy that they documented the lead district attorney who went and said, no, I'm not just going to look at these three guys. Go look at everything basketball here. Player. I'm going to look at everything. And the way they show videos of officers going to look at tape and who was involved in him knowing the guy who threw the cup. Yeah. And it was crazy. The way that they broke it down, I love the way they did that. And I'm so happy that it wasn't the, just the NBA players who got punished because it wasn't all of them. It was a man who threw, threw a cup. That started the whole melee. Mm-hmm. You know, you wouldn't have had that melee. And just because they're not they're not athletes, they're just there as fans, it's certain things that you do not do. Mm-hmm. You know, those guys had the right to protect themselves, and that's what they did. That's what they did. They protect themselves. And just to see how he moved and got, ev- got everybody that was involved, not just... Just to see how he got everybody involved and everybody got charges and this, the way they broke it down, D, it was amazing, man. I like to see that. Yeah, and, and, and just to double back on what you were saying, I mean, the way David Stern handled the situation in fear of the NBA being a black eye in just sports, period. David Stern treated Stephen Jack, Jermaine O'Neal, and Ron Otis badly. Like, they were the reason why. And, 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 and Stern, I would have had to think, that someone reached out to Stern to say, hey, man, this ain't right. But David Stern, they want to hear because he had to protect the logo. He had to protect the league, even though this was unprecedented. And you never, ever thought you would have seen anything like this. Those gentlemen were handled wrong. Should they have been punished? Yeah. OK, cool. Their, their actions warned them getting into the suspensions that they got. OK, but 
for them to be vitrioled, named thugs, to be punished, they were blackballed throughout the league. Blackballed throughout the league. Mm-hmm. If it weren't for the Golden State Warriors, Stephen Jack would have been out of the league. Yeah. If Baron Davis didn't go and vouch for Stephen Jackson, they they would he would have been out. Yeah. I'm happy he got his reign with the Spurs for yeah, all that. Me too, me too. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and, and Jermaine O'Neal, man, I mean, what a talent. That's what's up. What a talent. And he was the one who paid the most. He was the one who paid the most. But all in all, go ahead, Black. Yeah, it's just and 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 he did pay the most. And man, just to see the talent. Cause once you get back, I guess watching that and then watching, you'd be like, damn boy, Jermaine O'Neal was on his way. Yeah. Like Jermaine O'Neal was killing for Indiana, if people don't remember. And it's like I can't remember him after that. Nah, I man. I can't really remember him that much after that. It's like, he turned to a like role I, player. Like, after I watched the documentary, I sat and think, like, dang, well, what did he do after that? I can't really remember. What did he do? Like, it, it's crazy how it impacted, not, impacted their whole career. And, man, I just feel so bad. Even even, even my beautiful wife, Brittany, she was like, um, Reggie Miller, man. She was like, oh, I know he. this got to really be bad on him. To see how he was acting in the documentary, that thing brought him to tears, man. Yeah, it hurt him, man. It like, him. Reggie just wanted to win. And then that whole situation, when it happened, Reggie was like, he knew it was time to hang it up. And, it's, and it sucks for a player of his caliber mm. and everything that he's done for Indiana. For that to be the situation that he retires and says it's time to hang him up. Mm-hmm. It's just sad, man. It's, it's just tough. really sad. It's, tough. It's, it's a lot of things that were tough uh, about that documentary. But I'm glad that these guys got to tell their story. I'm glad that they got the, the clearance of their names, so to speak. Especially Jermaine and, and Stephen Jack. Stephen Jack was just riding. Stephen oh, yeah. Jack was there to play basketball. He was just, just riding. You know what I'm saying? And, and and how honorable it is, you would think you would have somebody who's loyal to you like Stephen Jack. For real. Stephen Jack was up there busting domes trying to get these man, boys look, off run, man. He said, I ride with mine, bro. Yeah, so it's like you that's honorable what Stephen Jack did. And I failed D Jack, man. And when they had to go to court, he said, Man, I'm not finna sit up here and kiss no ass. It is what he it said, is. I was there with my I was there with my teammates, bro. I was that's, helping. That was my stance. You know, that's and, and I'm happy he kept that stance. Cause yeah. he could have took the role where I don't think I should be suspended this many games. No. Uh-huh. You know, I'm standing by what I did. There's nothing wrong in what I did. Yes, yeah, nothing Which wrong. Which it wasn't. It wasn't. Which it wasn't. Because if somebody come down on my homeboy, my brother, uh, yeah. it's a wrap, bro. Yeah, for I ain't sure. going to be finding no way to defend what happened. Yeah, it is what it we is. We riding. Yeah. I don't care what the circumstances or the outcome of the situation going to be. Mm-hmm. It is what it is, bro. And, that's, and I love how uh, Steve, Steve, Steven Jackson didn't allow the NBA to put him in, in that situation where he had to apologize for what happened no you don't you don't do that because you just want him to apologize to save face to make the league look good david stern really dropped the ball with this yeah and i was i was thinking like dang wasn't adam silver in the in the in the scenes i mean like in the background when all this stuff was happening yeah, he ain't holding no I, weight he, like stern yeah no i'm saying like he could have gave some good intake if Probably. he would with this documentary, but you know he probably Mm-mm. nah. You can't even go back there because Mm-mm. that was a Mm-mm. big deal for the Mm-mm. NBA. Mm-mm. And if he is to open them doors, he'll probably mm-hmm. start something. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I was thinking like, damn, Adam. I know Adam Silver. Adam Silver was, you know, the man under David Stern. So you knew he had to have a lot of, a lot of say so in what was going on. Not say so, but a lot of 
a lot of light on what happened. Uh, on I don't David, think he did, with David, bro. With David Stern's decision. I don't think he did. Because he's his right-hand man. I'm pretty sure he knew. I don't think he did, bro. I think Stern had to take the approach that he did because he was so scared of what was going to happen to the league. So you really think David Stern didn't have a conversation with nobody about what he was going to do? I don't do? think he took it in consideration. Okay. I don't think if Silva or anybody else who was high-ranked officials in the NBA, I don't think he took it in consideration. He was worried about sponsors. He was worried about the reputation of the league. He wanted to send a message right away to everybody else that this would not be tolerated. But the thing was, what won't be tolerated? Defending yourself? That's the whole thing Stern missed. And he acted swiftly. I mean, two days later, he out here announcing the suspensions. So there was no full investigation. There was nothing. Yeah. He's seen what happened. You're six weeks into a new NBA season. He felt like he had to act swiftly. And that's what he did. Do I give David Stern a pass? Or do I do I take myself and put myself in David Stern's shoes and say, what would I have done with that kind of pressure? Black, I can't lie to you, man. I probably would have been feeling the same way Stern was. Mm. Because he got the weight of the league on his shoulders. Sponsors ringing off the NBA owners ringing him off the hook. What is he supposed to do? The thing that he thought he had to do was to get these guys out the league for the moment of time that he did. That's what he did. And it came back that it was not the right thing to do in the, which, in the manner on, on which he did it. Mm. But he was up against something so great. And we've never seen nothing like this again. Never. Think about it. Never. We haven't seen anything. The only thing remotely close that I see violently in sports is soccer games. And hockey. Oh, 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 don't even, even get me started it. on hockey. <laughs> you get paid millions of dollars to have beef with somebody and square up and nothing's going to happen. And they allow you to and square up. And you're not up. even going to be suspended. The referee just moves out the way and, and lets you, you have up. it until somebody get dropped. <laughs> now, that's the thing. When, he's, when Jermaine O'Neal said it the way he said it, like, dang, I ain't never thought about it like that. Mm-hmm. This has been happening in hockey for decades. You got an issue? What's up? <laughs> We stopping the game, everything, bro. Square up, bro. Let's go ahead and get on. Yeah. But any other sport, boy, you out. You out. Suspended, losing pay. Mm-hmm. After a fight in the NHL, you just go to the little penalty box and for, cool off. For two minutes. And then you come back out and play <laughs> like ain't nothing happened. Yeah. 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 So, you know, all in all, just a very fantastic documentary. We encourage you all, if you have not seen it, it is on Netflix. It is called uh, The Malice in the Palace. Um, I forget the actual wording, but just type in Untold. It's called Untold, The Malice at the Palace. And um, it, I mean, it was just great to get, get a chance to hear everybody's stories because as, I, as it was on, I was saying to myself, even before Jermaine O'Neal said it, these men ain't even been able to talk about this mm-hmm. until now, 10 years they they ain't been able to talk about it. Yeah. So great piece of work. Great piece of work. Shout out to Jermaine O'Neal uh, and his team for doing a fantastic job. Yeah, they in that did a great job with that, man. Yeah. Great very job. good. I very watched. Good. I done watched that thing like three times. D. It's good. Yeah, it's good. It's good. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna have to like watch it again times. too. I'm gonna have to watch it because I've only watched it once. But I'm gonna have to watch it again just to make sure you know I don't miss you know anything because you know when you're watching it, your, your emotions are kind of going all over yeah. the place. You know, you kind of like, oh man, I. I remember this happening, you know what I'm saying? Then I don't remember this happening, yeah. you know what I'm saying? I know we finna leave there, but it was one other thing that I didn't know. I was shocked. I was like, oh, man, that's that's where that rule change came, the dress code. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, man, I didn't know. You know, next I, season. I, you know I always thought the dress code had something to do with Allen Iverson? I always did. He played a part of it. <laughs> he but, played a part but of it. But it. It, it went into effect 
after, after that. After that, and mm-hmm. I and I did not know that, so I was I was I was like shocked by that because I didn't know that. I always thought it had something to do with Allen Iverson and the way he was. Yeah, he was a part of it now. He was a part of it for sure. So I didn't know that that situation kind of put it over the top. Where David Stern was like effective immediately, you know, dress codes for. NBA players. And that was a wild era. <laughs> it was. Seeing some of the Southern boys was went to you the game. You see how Ben Wallace came up in that mug before the game? <laughs> I mean, that- Big Ben Wallace had on a 4XT <laughs> shirt. I mean, boy, I can't even tell you. I don't want to know how big the pants was. Yeah, boy. man. I mean, that was a wild, nasty era with these boys coming to the game in suits and everything. Allen Iverson with the Jabo jeans with the suits. <laughs> Everything untucked. I mean, it was just wild. But they were finding them boys for that. Yeah, they were. They was fine. If you came to the game without, you know, what we ask you, you get fine for that. And it's crazy how now. Oh yeah. Before the game, it's like. Oh yeah. It's a. Isn't it became a culture type thing. Fashion show with fashion now. Oh, yeah. Back then it wasn't that. Mm-mm. This just how them boys got up. Came to like the game. They know how they what they seen every day. Come to the game. That's how they came to the game. Came to the game. You really never really seen in those times. Mm-mm. You might have seen you might not even Shaq. You really never seen Shaq or the high profile players at the time wearing suits. They would be comfortable coming to those games. You had to get a guy like Ray Allen. You yes. know he came to the yeah. game. Uh, even Reggie. Reggie, Reggie came, to the, came to the game dress. Dress. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't many of them. It wasn't many of them I mean, at jo- all. I mean, they didn't. No one took after Mike like that. You know, Jordan came to the game suited and booted. Magic Johnson, those yeah. guys. The Larry Bird didn't come to the game they like didn't. that. They so didn't. it was very few and in between yeah. that will represent. Uh, in, in that way, man. So just a wild era. I know, right? Uh, with that, That's but crazy. yeah, I mean, yeah, you guys will enjoy it. Please go and watch it. Refresh your memories on uh, one of the most impactful uh, moments in the history of sports. Um, great piece, and once again, shout out to Jermaine O'Neal and his team uh, for um, doing a fantastic job with that documentary. You can catch that on Netflix. All right, man, we're going to transition back into some of your favorite segments of the show. Uh, of course, last week we were uh, abruptly uh, shifted over after the loss of Coach Bobby Bowden. Uh, so as a result of that, you know, you didn't get your favorite segments, but we are back to doing your favorite segments this week. Now, Black, I happened to watch some. Uh, I was on. What was I watching, Black? I think I was watching, uh, yeah, it was, it was Sports Center, and they were getting ready to go to Stephen A's World and have his show. And I watch a little bit of Stephen A's World from time to time. But I must say, Black, this was one of the funniest things that I heard a backup quarterback receive in my lifetime. Check out this clip from Stephen A's World. Sent your boy Mitchell Trubisky straight, my boy. <laughs> I got a problem with something that Bill's backup quarterback, Mitchell Trubisky, had to say. Here's the quote. Are y'all listening? It's just really nice to be a part of a great team and be somewhere where people want you here and they care about how you're progressing as a person, as a player. Really? Really? What do you mean it's nice to be wanted? You are wanted. That's what you're saying, right? You're wanted, right? As a backup, (laughs) there wasn't a single team that wanted you as a starter, bro. Not one. And you're not just any kind of backup, Mitchell Jabitsky. Oh, no. You're the backup to a guy who just signed a six-year, $258 million contract. A guy who finished second in MVP voting last year. A guy who was actually a year younger than you. And Josh Allen. I got a problem with something. Yeah, man. So, I... I (laughs) 
I thought, man, I thought your boy Mitch Trubisky uh, got done up by your boy Stephen A, man. I was like, man, Mitch is trying to have a wholesome moment. <laughs> you know, Mitch out here telling everybody, you know, he enjoyed being in Buffalo. He enjoyed being a part of a winning organization. And your boy Stephen A took your boy to task, man. Hey, I don't blame him, bro. Jokes on you, Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> Jokes on you, bro. Oh, for sure, you need man. to be one of the ones just sitting back in the cut, bro. Just be quiet, bro. Yeah, man. <laughs> your boy Mitch can't catch a break, man. Your boy Mitch can't catch a break. All right, man. We're gonna transition into our tweet of the week, man. In black. <sighs> Watching the Jazz game last night, man, and of course, somewhere around the second quarter. My eyes start to squint. And I look at the TV, man, and what do I see, Black? <clears throat> I see number 85 coming running out on the field. And who is number 85, Black? That is none other than Timothy Tebow, Black. And I just want to read you some of the tweets of the most talked about play from Tim Tebow last night. Here we go. Did you see Tim Tebow in the Jazz game? Wow, what a disaster. Let's just say he was struggling at tight end and couldn't block anyone. Next up, Jesus take the wheel. Tebow is embarrassing the process. Jags are fleecing the flock with Jersey profits. Hashtag Duval. And last but not least, get the hell out of here. He should not be wasting or taking roster space from a young and hungry, talented player. Tebow sucks, and he sucks bad. He's a double-A baseball player at best in any sport. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Melvin, not celebrity man featuring Yeah, man, you go get that anyway anytime like that. Go check it out. Music. All right, Black. Let's stop right there and talk about some of the complaints from the Duval faithful after seeing Tim Tebow's attempt. I guess you could say he did block <laughs> the the defensive tackle. I guess you could say he did. Uh, but Black, what did you think about Tim Tebow's highlighted play last night in the Jags' first preseason game <laughs> under Urban Meyer? Bro, I was out watching the football game last night. Me and my wife went out on a date. And I happened to look up at the TV as I'm eating my food. <laughs> and I barfed under the table, my boy. <laughs> <laughs> I barfed under the table, my boy. <laughs> I said, what am I watching? I had to catch myself, bro. I thought I was going to choke, man. <laughs> this is an embarrassment man. to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Man. An embarrassment. Get this man out of here. Man. Get him out of here. He does not belong here. Man. Uh, it's no way. Like, it's no way that this guy makes this team. I just, I, 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 I'm going to be in disbelief, shock. Utter disgust. If he makes this team, Tebow looks like he don't belong. And I seen something that Skip Bayless said. He was like, it's it's amazing. We haven't heard a word from Tim Tebow. We don't need to hear none. We don't need to hear a word from him. Mm-mm. He lied. You're not an important factor for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mm. And then you get tweets like this when you see stuff like this. Oh, I see Urban still lying. Mm. I mean, they was going at Urban Head because of the way the Jaguars looked yesterday. Mm. And then that tops them all when Tebow gets into the game. Mm. People are angry. 
and people are upset mm. that this man is wearing the till in black. Mm. Something has to be done, D, and it mm. needs to be. It needs to happen fast. Mm. Well, listen, uh, boy, I happen to see this one live as well. Uh, I'm getting ready to have some dinner with my little son and my wife, and uh, I see 85 come running out. I say, good God. What are we about to see here? It looked like they was going to try to have a design play for him to catch a pass. And thank God for Tavon Austin, who interrupted that and caught the ball instead of Tim Tebow. Then we get to the next play. I say, dear Lord, they might pitch it to Tebow out the backfield and see what he can do. That did not take place. Tebow went out for an apparent block on the defensive tackle or linebacker, whoever it was. And I must say, and this is no this is no hate on Tim Tebow. That was pathetic. <laughs> and I understand that Tim Tebow is transitioning into the tight end position. I get it. And again, this is no massive hate on Tim Tebow. But when you look at that play, once again, it was pathetic. Mm. I mean, the attempt was just so bad. That Urban Meyer and his staff should have been released Tim Tebow before we even recorded this show on this Sunday. <laughs> we should have got a drop-down notification from Bleacher Report, ESPN, or anybody else who we follow in sports. And they should have told us the Jacksonville Jaguars and Urban Meyer have released Tim Tebow due to horrible blocking. Mm. That's what it should have said. This needs to be over quickly. I don't know what Urban's waiting on. I don't know what's necessarily there for him to do. Like, what is he there for? I'm really, I'm really, I'm really trying to find something here to be positive about. Because I think T-Bone's a nice guy. I think he's a nice guy. Well, nice ain't got nothing to do with as a football game, I'm going there. But being a football player in the National Football League, and playing a position that he's never, ever played. He needs to be sent home to his lovely wife and their dogs and go back to the SEC network and prepare for Tennessee and Vanderbilt week one. Mm. That's what Tim Tebow needs to be doing. Go back to Good Morning America and get your job there back and start doing the things, Tebow, that you already had lined up for yourself. Tebow's a nice-looking guy. He looks pretty good on the tube. (laughs) He looks like he does a good job day in and day out. It looks like people like Tebow when he goes to work. But you know where they don't like him at? (laughs) T-I-A-A Bankfield. It's time for this to end. And if Tim Tebow trots out on the field, what is it, this coming Friday or Monday? I think the Jazz play Monday night, I think. They do? Oh, okay. Is it Monday or Friday? I don't know when they play, but we'll look at it. But if he runs out on the field another week, black, I'll be watching 90 Day Fiance that night, my boy. <laughs> I'll be watching 90 Day Fiance oh, if that happens again, black. Jesus. All right, let's go ahead and move on to another favorite segment that you guys love on this show. We're going to get into our start, bench, or cut. And we're ramping up the football season here, guys. We are ramping up college football. NFL is coming 
into shape here in at the sports desk. So we're gonna get into our star bitch cut and see what Black talking about. Oh man, that's the wrong song. Yeah, T Bow. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, T Bow. How do we say goodbye, T Bow? T Bow. T Bow. We hate to even go to. Nah, I ain't gonna do T Bow later. Don't do it, bro. Don't do it. I ain't gonna do T Bow later. You gonna get some Yeah. Stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me chill. Let me chill. Let me chill. Let me chill. Let's go ahead and get to our star bitch. <laughs> Do you smell what the rock is cooking? Do you smell what the rock is cooking? Hey, this reduced lunch spots, man. Come on now. Gangsta, gangsta! Griselda, Griselda. All right, Black, let's go ahead and get into our start bench cut. Now, Black, of course, I've been watching a lot of preseason football, a lot of preseason football, and the commentators have been having some interesting conversations. Just everybody's just excited. Everybody's just excited uh, with football season being around the corner. Well, a couple of weeks away, actually. So, Black, they had an interesting conversation about defensive players in the league, and they were talking about who they feel were the top three defensive players in all of football. So, Black, I want to ask you, if you had to pick one player to be your cornerstone franchise defensive captain, this is the only player that you'll have to be your leader, to be the example for the rest of your defense to follow. Black, I'm going to ask you to start one, and you're going to cut two. Mm -hmm. Start one, you're going to cut two. Here we go, Black. Quote, unquote, arguably the best defensive player, maybe the best football player, period, in the National Football League. From the Los Angeles Rams, you have Aaron Donald, okay? Next up, pound for pound, in my opinion, the best corner in the National <clears throat> Football League. Also from the Los Angeles Rams, you have Jalen Ramsey. And last but not least, pound for pound, probably the best safety in the National Football League. You have Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew. All right. These three players are consensus top three defenders in football. Okay. Not my list. Just where I got the info from. Don't come at me. Who you got, Black? Who you starting? Who you starting one? And what two are you cutting? Donald, Ramsey, or Matthew? Yeah. Let's go. We spicing it up this time around, baby. We getting away from the old, old watered down uh, star bench of cuts. What you got, baby? Start one. Cut to black. Dang, man. Yeah. I'm going to have to start the beast himself. Okay. Aaron Donald. Okay. And I'm going to have to cut mm. Jalen Ramsey and Honey Badger. Mm. Was that tough uh, for you? It's tough, bro, because I, I did not want to cut Jalen. But Aaron Donald has been doing it for so, so long, bro. Okay. And <laughs> just... Total domination when he's on the football field. Now, this is leadership. <clears throat> this yeah. is everything. Oh, yeah. Okay. Have to start Aaron Donald. Have to. That's your final answer. Final answer. Okay. All right. For me, man, I'm cutting Aaron Donald. Mm. I am cutting Aaron Donald. And I'm also cutting Jalen Ramsey. All mm. right. If I had to have a leader to lead my defense. It is Honey Badger, mm. Tyron Matthew. Why is that? Go look at his accolades of leadership. Who changed life 
for the Chiefs when they acquired him on the defensive side of the ball. Who changed life? Tyron Matthew. Go look at the several impact plays in the playoffs and Super Bowl mm. from Tyron Matthew. I remember Aaron Donald holding an ice pack on his wrist in Lambeau Field. I remember Jalen Ramsey slipping and falling all over the place in that game in Lambeau. Memory as recent as I can go. It's Tyron Matthew made key big boy plays in the playoffs. I ain't talking regular season. I'm going to go honey badger. Bro, you wrong for to that, To be man. the leader. Why am I wrong, bro? You are. Why? Man, because Aaron Donald tried to play in that game. He was hurt. Man, he can't help that he got hurt. Oh, okay, bro. Dang. All right, bro. <laughs> that's you. That's them. Okay, what I ain't going to go there, bro. I mean, am I we lying? Got some stuff. We got some things to get into. So I mean, I am I lying? going to go there, bro. Am I lying? Yes. So Tyron Matthew don't make critical most, plays? No. He Dang, does not. So, so interception of the I'm not saying that he's not a leader, but when you say most dominant leader of a defense. No, 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 no. no. That's not what I said. Most, hold on. The leader who's going to drive the players to be good is Aaron Donald. No. He was doing it before Jalen Ramsey even came there. Just because he was the best player on the, in the league? No, because he's a leader. The defense is was, The defense has always been good with Aaron Donald there. Oh, okay. Always. Was the Chiefs defense good without Tyron Matthew? They trash. Were they better with him there? They were trad. Yes, they were better. Yes, they were. Okay. But Aaron Donald, the Rams defense with Aaron Donald there has always been good. What they got from it? All right, bro. I'm just I asking. see where you're going. All right, now. Nah. I'm just asking. You got some things to get into, my boy. Come on, man. Let's go. I ain't even finna do it. Asking. I ain't finna do it, bro. So y'all let us know, man, <laughs> if you needed one player to start. And be the cornerstone, the leader, the vocal leader, the uh, just the impact energy for your defense to follow. Not being the best player, but a real leader. Who you going with? Matthew, Aaron Donald, or Jalen Ramsey? I'm not saying who you taking to be your best player. Please hear me on this. Say a leader, bro. I know you said leader. Who's going to have the total package and you want leading your defense? I'm going to go hunt and badger. Why? Because I've seen it. Oh, and because he's won the Super Bowl. Interceptions. For fumbles. Sacks. And key critical moments. Did Aaron Donald play? Never mind. All right. All right. We're going to transition out of our star bitch and cut. See, I got my man Black a little, a little ruffle there. We're going to go into our top five. And all of our college football fans, all of our college football lovers, I know you guys are going to probably get a nice kick out of this. Let's go, go ahead and get into our top five, if I can find our top five music. I tend to do this. Every once in a while, well, I have no earthly idea where the top five music is. Black, let's get into our top five. Ooh, excuse me. Let's get into our top five, Black. This week's top five is what top five teams should we be looking out for in the upcoming college 
football season. That's right. It's college football time, and let's get it kicked off, Black. Black, give me your top five schools that we should be on the lookout for this upcoming season. Oh, yes. At number five, D, I got the Cincinnati Bearcats. Okay. For them to open the season ranked number 10, I think that's something to look at with Cincinnati Bearcats. Mm -hmm. Had a wonderful season last year. And uh, gonna love to. I'm gonna be looking and see how you know going into this season, ranked number ten, how the uh, how the Bearcats fare uh, this season. At number four, I got the Texas A&M Aggies. Finished finished the season off with a with a bang last year. It's going to be interesting to see quarterback play for them. Going to keep a close eye. Texas A&M was that team that was left out, you know, of the playoff last year that we said could have potentially been in. Uh, the playoff. And then at number three, Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, I'm ready to see <clears throat> what Justin Fields departing. We know it's, we we know what they brought back at the wide receiver position and on defense. Quarterback play, running back play. Interested to see how the Ohio State Buckeyes are going to look next year. And at number two, the Tar Heels. North Carolina, the, uh, uh, the fighting Mac Browns, as my guy, Dedrick Hicks, would say. Yes. You know, so I'm really, really, really interested to see how they opened up and how they look this year, being ranked number nine in the polls. So I'm going to see uh, with the departure of some key pieces, but they do have a lot of experience that got a lot of time that was able to play last year. So I'm interested to see how the uh, Tar Heels are going to look. And then uh, last but not least, uh, the Clemson Tigers. Mm. Really, really, really interested <clears throat> to see the Clemson Tigers. Offensive line, defensive line. It's going to be it's going to be new. They it's, it's like they were good at, at those positions. Uh, uh, players going to the draft, so I'm really interested to see how they're going to look. Defensive line, offensive line. I'm pretty sure their quarterback players is going to, quarterback player is going to be up there, but skill positions as well. You get uh you get the Ross uh receiver back. Want to see how he looks coming from off that heart surgery that Terrence he had, Ross. Terrence Ross. So. Going to be really interesting to see how Clemson looks in three different areas. The receiver position, offensive line, and defensive line. So those are my teams to watch uh, this year. My top five teams to watch in college football. All right. Um, my top five teams are at number five. I have the Texas Longhorns. One reason, one reason only, Steve Sarkeesian. Is he a better head coach this time around? Texas has been on the verge the last three years from being back so to speak. They say Sark's their guy. Sark went to Alabama and got a hell of a training camp under the tutelage of Nick Saban. The Texas Longhorns, I think that's I think they're definitely one of the teams week in and week out the entire landscape of college football is going to be peeking their head in to seeing what they're all about. Number 5 Texas Longhorns. Number 4 the Michigan Wolverines. By God. <laughs> yeah. Jim Harbaugh, I'm excuse me, John Harbaugh. By God, win. If not now, when? You've never beaten Ohio State. You have not won the Big Ten. You have not even been to a Big Ten championship game. If not now, when? This has got to be the final stance for Harbaugh as a Wolverines head coach. Mm. Year in and year out, what do we all say about Michigan? Man, they're going to make the playoff. This is the year they beat Ohio State. But instead, they go out and they get beat by 40 by the Buckeyes. Mm, mm, mm. So my number four team is John Harbaugh's 
Michigan Wolverines. Number three, the Miami Hurricanes. I'm so sick of hearing this hurricane talk. We back, we back, we back well. What are you doing? You beating up on Florida State, okay. But when did I say y'all won anything? Most of y'all was in the fourth grade last time I even won a championship. <laughs> y'all ain't won the SEC. Y'all ain't won no nannies. Y'all ain't did the one ten game. I mean, when? So all y'all out there led by Kevin Dunbar mm. telling me and everybody else who will listen that this is the year that the Canes do some. Well, what exactly are you going to do this year, Miami? Hmm. This is your third year. You're going to see week one. You should be primed and ready to go to do something. I mean, are we talking ACC title? What are we talking about? So the Miami Hurricanes, you are on notice here at the sports desk because the first year when you guys start coming back, cool. I ain't really got nothing to say. Last year when y'all did what y'all did, okay, cool, decent. But now y'all getting full of yourselves like you done something. You done nothing. Mm. So the Miami Hurricanes, <laughs> you're on notice. You are a top five team to watch for this upcoming college football season. At number two, the Cyclones from Iowa State. <laughs> Anybody who somebody on the college football channels and ESPNs are telling me, including Black, uh. that the Cyclones <laughs> are going to get it done this year, that the Cyclones could overcome the Sooners and win the big 12 this year they've been flirting and flirting of getting over the top so i'm gonna be paying close attention at the iowa state Mm. cyclones because they're another team who've been knocking at the door knocking at the door will this be the year that opportunity answers the door we'll Mm. see and number one my florida state seminoles are my number one team to watch for in college football. Black can be ticked off all he want, but this is for good reasons. I want to see if my head football coach can really coach. I want to see if the culture is on the up and up in Tallahassee. I want to see that all of these players that he has got to commit on transfers, McKenzie Mill, I want to see improvement in Tallahassee this year. I'm not calling for a national championship. Hell, I'm not even calling for an ACC crown. But I'm calling for me to not get my brains beat in on a weekly basis. I'm calling to see improvement. This is not a diss. This is fact. I'm an emotional Florida State Seminole. And I don't have time to be rebuilding, rebuilding, rebuild. I don't want to see another head coach arrive in Tallahassee. So, Mr. Norvell, what they call him, the deacon, the priest, the pre- preacher Norvell, what they call him, Minister Norvell? Because that boy talk game real slick now. That boy talk game is incredible. And he got a lot of Florida stands out there hoodwinked, but he ain't got me. Because I need to see it on the field. So my number one team is the Florida State Seminoles to watch for. The reason why, and I'm going to move on. The coaches poll came out this week. Top 25 teams in the country. And all spring, all spring, everyone's been saying, what what a great job Norvell is doing. You can see the tide turning. 
with the Florida State Seminoles. Back, do you want to know how many votes Florida State got to be a top 25 team? I don't want to know. Oh, I'm going to tell you. They got one. And you want to know who gave them that vote, Black? Mike Norvell. Mike Norvell. So Mike Norvell, college football doesn't think you're ready. And they don't think Florida State, they don't think much of Florida State. Mike Norvell, I need you to show us why we're all wrong. All right, Black, we're going to come up out of that top five with the pure disgust. <laughs> Y'all just see that Black looking at your dog. We're going to go ahead and transfer over to the National Football League. Week one of the preseason took place. Thank God football's back on TV. We've been able to sit back, kick back, and watch some football. And we're going to talk about it right now. Let's go ahead and get into preseason football in the National Football League. And that's right. We are going to start right there here in the city of Duval County with the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's right. The Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence era somewhat kicked off uh, on Saturday night right here in Duval against the Cleveland Browns. We got to see Trevor Lawrence make his debut for about two series. We got the chance to see what is Urban Meyer's offense going to look like. We got to see Minshew. We got to see what the defense looked like. We got a taste of Jaguars football in 2021. So, Black, real quick, what did you see? What did you like? What did you dislike about the Jags last night as the Browns won that game 23-13? to um, I want to start with the defense, D. I want to say defense looks pretty good. Being it don't break defense. You know, I, I, I like to see if, you know, they allow big plays, but they don't uh they didn't allow Cleveland to get in uh to get in the end zone. I'm looking at the first team to the what the what the starters was were doing. They were able to get field goals out of those drives that Cleveland put together. So Bennett don't break defense. Uh that was I was okay with that. I know that could get better, you know, as we get ready to go into the season. Um Trevor Lawrence, he looked okay. The uh one the one thing that did concern me was uh I was shocked that uh Urban's not allowing him to use his legs. You know, I feel like it was some plays that were well Trevor Lawrence could have used his legs and got out of the pocket and, you know, picked up some yards. But he's been he was staying he was back there standing in the pocket, uh for the most part. Uh had a beautiful pass to uh Marvin Jones. Down the field, so good pocket awareness from from him on that pass. And the one thing that really pissed me off, D, is the offensive line. And I mean, I'm am disgusted. <clears throat> I thought that the offensive line would have been better, and I'm only seeing the same thing that I saw last year. Offensive line looks horrible. Your future quarterbacks come. Your future and franchise. Quarterback comes out on the first possession and gets sacked. Jawan Taylor, Cam Robinson, whoever the hell it was. 
You just let the damn uh, defensive end run right by and sack, and sack Trevor. <laughs> D, they have to get this offensive line. It, they have to get this offensive line correct. Because the one thing that we don't need coming out week one is Trevor Lawrence getting hurt. And if they don't answer some questions on this offensive line and get the bodies out there that's going to block better, they need to do something. I am concerned about the offensive line, D. Other than the offensive line, I know it's preseason. Uh, a new team, new coach, first year in the, in the NFL. So I wasn't expecting it to look pretty. But I was expecting to see something different and to see if, oh, that's something that could work for us. But I didn't see that from the offensive line. <clears throat> and Trevor Lawrence needs time to make things happen. We have to get this offensive line, D. That's the one thing that stood out. That's the one thing that really stood out to me and made me kind of scratch my head and be concerned with the Jaguars on last night. Uh, for me, uh, I mean, I ain't really take too much of nothing, really. I mean, offensively, I do agree with you. The offensive line, uh, they did look a little disappointed. I don't think um, – that the five offensive line that they rolled out last night are going to be the five starters. The only starter uh, that wasn't playing was Norrell. All the rest were starters. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, is it concerning to see? Absolutely. But when you're looking at one of the best defensive lines in football, which the Cleveland Browns have, um, it could be a long night for anybody, um, especially in the preseason game or whatever. So, was it something that to pay attention to? Yeah. Am I alarmed by it? Not really right now. If this is weak. Three in the preseason as the dress rehearsal, as they call it, where all the starters play into the third quarter and we're looking like that, then I'm going to get concerned. Right now, not so much. Trevor Lawrence, just a safe, get your feet wet, get a couple throws, let's roll you out a little bit, drop back a little bit, see what you can do, um, and let's get you out. You know, I don't think Urban dialed up anything purposely for us to see. Yeah, he didn't. I mean, it was just vanilla. It's a first preseason game. Now, what you do learn about is what your defense is about in preseason games. Why? Because they're on the retreat. And your def in the Jaguar defense last night was bend but don't break. I was impressed by C.J. Henderson. The two big pass breakups that he had on third downs were big. Despite everything that's going on in Jacksonville between him and Coach Meyer, I was impressed by C.J. Henderson having his head in the game on a preseason game. I don't know if he's doing that to increase his value to get up out of Jacksonville or if he's getting on the train, so to speak, with what Urban Meyer wants uh, here in uh, Jacksonville. Defense looked it okay. I didn't see nothing that I like. Look. Shaquille Griffin, he's showing me some things. Yeah, they Sha came at him too. Yeah, they did. They came on him consecutive plays, and uh, I think he gave up just one catch while he was out there. Mm -hmm. um, so I like the fight in Shaquille Griffin. I like that it seems like he's sort of like the leader of this defense yeah. uh, with um, uh, out there. So um, all in all, the only takeaway that was worth uh, talking about is just seeing why Tim Tebow shouldn't be on this team. <laughs> I mean, that's it. I mean, I didn't. I mean, I don't Stop even. It, bro. I don't even think we learned uh, really too much of nothing. Now, with all that being said, Black, do you mind? I need to have at least two minutes, please. Okay. Okay. Dear watered down, unfaithful. 
unattentive Jacksonville Jaguar fans, this is from you. This is for you. To whom it may concern, shut the hell up. Mm. Period. Sincerely, Dedrick L. Jr., one half of your sportsologist on the sports desk. But D, why are you saying that? This is why. I get on Twitter this morning. Boy, Trevor don't look like he bought nothing. Boy, Ur- boy Urban, boy, we brought, all- we brought Urban here to do that. <laughs> I'm seeing Urban and Trevor. Jaguars lost. Oh, they're the same old Jags. Yo, my youths. It's preseason. Nothing took place last night to be to, to, to even be aware of. Except Tebow being in the game. All of you fair weather, unrealistic Jacksonville Jaguar fans, I get it. I get it. You don't have patience, and rightfully so. I understand that. I'm not telling you guys not to be frustrated and antsy. I'm not telling you not to do that because this city's been down for too long and you're ready to win. But just like anything else, life is a process. Trevor Lawrence will be a process. Urban Meyer is a process. This is preseason for crying out loud. And y'all are writing the man off? After throwing seven passes and playing in two series of a meaningless game? Urban Meyer was just getting a feel for his team? Nothing was to be put into the performance of Lawrence or Urban or anyone for that matter. But to already be jumping off the rails from a preseason game, y'all need to shut up. Find you something to do. By God, I'm sure the jumbo shrimp are paying across the street. Go watch them play. (laughs) So listen. Chill out. This is going to be, this whole year for the Jazz will be a process. And if you need instructions, if you need a study guide on what to look for this year, here's two things to look out for this year. Will the Jaguars compete? That's one thing you want to look for. Will the Jaguars compete? <laughs> In the last two to three years, we have not done that. Second thing on the list to look out for is growth in your organization. Jot down the milestones of Trevor Lawrence this upcoming season. Jot down the milestones of this young defense. And jot down the milestones of Coach Urban Meyer. Put all that together and keep your head up because better days are on their way. I can see it. If you watch Trevor's demeanor last night, you can see the difference in a quarterback like him versus Blake Bortles. Hmm. You can see the difference between Trevor Lawrence and a quarterback who came down here like a thief in the night and robbed us for $90 million. Nicholas Foles, who's the third stringer in Chicago. (laughs) Dang. So I know what disappointment looks like. And I didn't see it last night with that blonde-haired Blue-eyed angel wearing 16 and garnet, excuse me, in teal and black for the first time. Woo. 
And that's all I had to say to the fair-weathered, unlogical, unrealistic Jacksonville Jaguar fans. Mm. It's week one of preseason. Chill the hell out. Blake, you got anything on that? Yeah, man. I don't. I, I really don't believe me being a diehard Jacksonville Jaguar fan. It's it's certain things I want to see in in and watching last night and with the offensive line just to talk about them. They've been together, you know, and and and, and you want to see you want to see growth. And I feel like with the offensive line, it's going to take some work. They still need to work. They still need to work. They really need to be together healthy. That's what we haven't been seeing. But, yeah, D, like you, we have to relax. Everything is a process. Peyton Manning just went into the Hall of Fame, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. This man threw 28 interceptions his rookie year. One in 15. <laughs> Excuse me, three and 13 his first year. His first year. It takes, it's like D said, it's a process. So, we have to chill. Y'all stay off Twitter, stay off Instagram, talking smack. Be realistic. How about the Jaguars? Just chill. This is Ur- this is this is Urban Meyer's first NFL game. I know he had to be nervous. Shoot, he probably puked, puked, puked in the locker room. <laughs> I know he had to be nervous. You can see it all over his face that he was kind of nervous when he was walking out to. Just how amazing it looked. But I do want to give the fans some credit. They came out and supported the Jaguars last night. They came out and supported the Jaguars last night. That was an amazing crowd for a preseason game. So we just need to relax, man. We got two more preseason games. Let's just see what our team out. And you got to believe, Urban Mize is not going to throw out everything in preseason. We have to realize that. You're still in the process of... What players can do what? What players are we going to keep? I need to see this. I need to see that. That's what the process of preseason is. You got to remember, you're going to start getting cuts next week. They want to start cutting people. That's what preseason is for. So we have to relax. So Urban Mindham can get the players that they can put in the right position so we can, so we can succeed. And become a great, a good team again. Yeah. Everybody chill. Be realistic and relax. Thank you. Sincerely, the sports desk. All right, Black. Let's move into an a interesting matchup yesterday, week one in the preseason. Miami Dolphins and Chicago Bears. Tua Tagovailoa out there yesterday. And Justin Fields. All right. The number nine pick in this year's draft to the Chicago Bears. Black, let's go ahead and start with Justin Fields on yesterday. Uh, Justin Fields had a pretty decent day coming in, getting a lot of reps uh, yesterday. Um, some of his numbers, he went... 14 for 20, 142 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Andy Dalton only saw uh, two series, two for four, 18 yards. Black, uh, just off what you've seen uh, from Justin Fields on yesterday, do you think it's a real quarterback competition between him and Andy Dalton, or was it just Justin Fields getting out there, cutting loose a little bit, getting an opportunity to have some reps? Um, I, D, I really don't know. I really don't know. I don't think – you know what? Justin Fields is very talented. He's very talented. To see him out there in his first preseason game, man, shoot, he he was out there moving around like he was at Ohio State, in my opinion. You know, rolling out, making beautiful passes, running the ball, getting out of the pocket. And he rushed for a touchdown as well. So, you know, to throw a touchdown there, rush for a touchdown, 
you know, he had a very impressive uh, debut with the Chicago Bears. The debate of who's going to be the starter, I still believe Andy Dalton will start will start as the starter. Will it last all season? I don't think so. Uh, I think Justin Fields is he's he's gaining some ground here. He's learning, and we're going to we're we're seeing one of the great one of the good talents at quarterback. Uh, in Chicago, got him as a steal. You know, at number eleven, this man was <laughs> this man fell to number eleven. So I'm uh I'm excited for Justin Fields. Happy to see him. Uh, happy to see him the way that he played and how long he played. You know, I would have loved to see Trevor play that long as well, too. But I understand the situation. I understand the situation. It's a difference. So, um, yeah, man, he looked good, D, on this uh, first preseason game. Uh, big things coming for him uh, in Chicago. Yeah, I thought Justin looked pretty good. Um, I think he was a little bit um, able to play without any kind of pressure. I mean, I think Justin knows, unless anything foreseeable happens, that Andy Dawn's going to be the start of this team to start the season. And if the Chicago Bears... Um, I think that's going to be the right move to go. And hear me out why. Fields is talented. He's going to be there. He's going to get opportunities. But I just got to think if you're Chicago. Chicago made the playoffs last year. You don't want to start off the season in the tank. Andy Dalton ain't all world. But I think Andy Dalton being the veteran that he is, he's not going to make the mistakes that probably Fields would make to start the season. To start the season, and that's my only thing based off Chicago being a playoff team last year. But I do want to get the young man to try to humble himself a little bit. He did say after the game yesterday that uh, he thought the NFL would be a little bit faster than college, but it really wasn't. You know, I think, Justin, you got to kind of chill, man, because mm-hmm. those words echo throughout the league. You got guys like Shannon Sharp and Ray Lewis and uh, Ed Reed. A lot of guys came out really, you know, critiquing what he said. And uh, they all said, hey, yo, slow down, young fella. Like, trust, the game going to get faster than the bullet. That's what Ed Reed said. You know what I'm saying? Uh, 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 Shannon Sharp said the same thing. I'm like, yo, chill out. Like, relax. This game will get unrealistically fast uh, for you, especially at the quarterback position. So, I don't know if Justin was just feeling himself doing a preseason game. But I hope the young man keeps keeps everything in its proper perspective. It's preseason, bro. Correct, and it was week one, and you were going against maybe, what, third stringers at that point in time, second mm-hmm. or third stringers, but I get it. He was excited. I'm not taking away nothing from him, but he was excited. He was excited, and honestly, he probably was just telling the truth from what he experienced. It really wasn't that fast to him compared to uh, being at Ohio State. But, uh, you know, long story short, I thought he looked good. He did some things really well. He did have some erratic throws on some of the plays um that he dialed up uh yesterday but all in all you know we'll see exactly where he is in the next uh two to three weeks all right on the other side of the field you had two attack olivia black if you don't mind i'm gonna start mm-hmm. if i'm the miami dolphins i'm picking up the phone and i'm telling the houston texans what do you want oh man dude that's i can't what believe you saying that do you, you like want Tua. you like Tua. i do like him but i love this dolphins team they have everything they need. But is Tua Tagovailoa the answer to get them to the next level to compete against the Buffalo Bills? That answer is probably no. You know who is that answer if you bring him down? Deshaun Watson. If I'm the Miami Dolphins and Brian Flores, 
I am picking up the phone and I am calling down to Houston, Texas and saying I will give you two Tagliavioa and five first round picks to get Deshaun Watson down here to South Beach because he would be the answer. Why would he be the answer? By far the better athlete than Tua, better passer than Tua, superstar talent is Deshaun Watson. And I like Tua. I really do. And I'm not dissing Tua. But I'm looking at Miami's team. I say, man, these boys could really cause some problems if they had a quarterback that people feared. And people not going to fear Tua this year. Mm. And that's just the truth. So if I'm the Dolphins, I'm calling Houston. And I'm doing whatever it takes to get Deshaun Watson up here. Now, did Tua play bad yesterday? No. Matter of fact, the interception that he threw really wasn't his fault yesterday. But it looked like, it just looked like either one, Brian Flores was purposely keeping the cap on Tua, or Tua just don't didn't improve. Like, it looked like the same thing that I saw last year. And I know it's we won the preseason. I'm not trying to get over my head. But I just didn't really see much to say, dang, Tua, you know, he's doing a little better. I said that about Drew Locke yesterday. Mm. I did. About it. I saw that. Uh, <laughs> I saw that in, uh, you know, the rookies and Justin Fields. I saw that in Trey Lance yesterday. Mm. But I just didn't get nothing that grabbed me from Tua. So, Black, what do you think about that? Um, I think <laughs> I really I agree with you with the Deshaun Watson thing. I really believe Tua is limited to what he can do. Mm. I really think he's limited, D. I don't know if my Emmy is 100% sold on Tua being that driving force and being able to allow him to take over and go out there and just be a quarterback. They want him to do certain things. Let my great defense wish they're going to have. <laughs> That yes. my great defense make plays, you will go out there and don't lose the football game for us, Tua. Run the ball by committee. Let our athletes be athletes. They have a nice receiving core now. You 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 added uh, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Parker, and then you added Will Fuller. Who, once he come back from suspension, you have a nice core uh, uh, of receivers. So I really believe the. They don't want Tua to lose it, so they're not going to allow him to do so much. That's why I think we're seeing the cap on him. But I agree. My aunt, I don't know playing against a Buffalo and a New England and those teams in the AFC, do you just need a quarterback to manage? You need a quarterback to make plays, and that's where Deshaun Watson come in, comes into play. Because Deshaun Watson would take a lot of pressure off that defense. He will help those athletes at receiver they, ha they have. He will make plays for the Miami Dolphins. And if that was to happen, the Dolphins automatically be becomes a, con a, t a contender based on what they have on paper. And what they have on the field. Brian Flores has done an amazing job with the Miami Dolphins. Amazing. Shout Since out day to one. him. Shout out, from, shout out from us at the sports desk to you, Brian Flores. Since day one. You have turned the Miami Dolphins around 100%. But the only one answer that, that the question is, the answer is we have to look at Deshaun. I agree with you 100%, D. I think they got a cap on tour, and they only want him to do certain things to not lose the game.
I think that's what we're going to see from him this year. And I think it's I think it's an unfair thing if that's the case because I know Tua was injury prone, but people it's like people forget what Tua did in college. Yeah, and, and, and Tua had a plethora of weapons at Alabama. Well, he got a plethora of weapons in Miami. You know, let let him loose a little bit because I I just really don't feel like we've been able to see him let loose. Mm-hmm. I think the play calls that they give him are meant for what you said to cap him. I mean, am I wrong for thinking that Tua could go out here and shine like he did as a freshman and sophomore at Alabama? I mean, he was loaded with talent. Well, he's loaded with talent in Miami. If they're not going to give him a chance, then just move him. Mm. I think it's an even swap. I think Houston wants to get away from everything with Deshaun Watson and everything that is surrounding him right now. You get a nice clean-cut guy in Tua, rookie, young quarterback that you could build with and try with who's not going to have any type of backlash associated with him. I think it's an even swap. But I think even for Tua's sake, that maybe he needs to get out of Miami because it doesn't look like they trust him much. Mm-hmm. And Miami is a good, a great team in waiting if they can get a dynamic quarterback. And that dynamic quarterback with Deshaun Watson, I mean, can you imagine it? That would be crazy. If they could get him down there, I'm just proposing it. So I like Tua a lot. This is not my uh, Rashad Moodham, Chains Robinson take on Tua tackling Leoville because we know how Rashad feels about Tua. But I just don't see where he's been given opportunity to show his stuff, so to speak. All right? So I guess we have to pay close attention. I think Deshaun won't be a Texan. It's just a matter of how much longer and where he's going to go. And I got to think Brian Flores is a smart man that it looked like he is. <laughs> it's got to be racking his brain to see if he can get number four down to South Beach. Mm-hmm. All right? All right, let's move on to a couple of more players. Trey Lance. We got to see a little bit of him uh, yesterday. Trey Lance made his debut in preseason against the Kansas City Chiefs. Trey Lance went 5 for 14, 128 yards, and a touchdown. Um, I think Trey Lance made a lot of noise because of the – I think he had two just magnificent plays that he made on his feet. Big 80-yard bomb. Yeah, yeah. So uh, they got the the football world kind of talking. But, uh, Black, what do you think about some of the ooh-ah moments from Trey Lance yesterday? Uh, Man, I think the kid's special, D. Yeah. I think he's going to be special. My thing is we're going to see him sooner than what what I think we are Mm -hmm. because I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be able to stay healthy. We haven't seen him stay healthy for a full year. Even when they went to the Super Bowl, he was hurt, but he was able to come back and, you know, get his way back in and help the 49ers get to a Super Bowl. But I think we're going to see him sooner than later. I thought he was the one quarterback in this class that probably had the most talent but needed time. To sit back and learn. I think uh Schottenheimer, uh what's his after Schottenheimer? Yeah. Uh I think he's gonna be put in a situation where he has to play Trey Lance and see what the young kid got and see what he can do, man. Shoot, you the quarterback guru. If you can get anybody ready and this kid with the talent he has and the arm strength he has and the athleticism he has, man, this could be something special for uh the 49ers. I'm talking about like times when when Kaepernick was there, like mm-hmm. I mean, exciting. This is it, that's what type of feel it give you watching what he those little those the the timing that he had on the field. That's what it gave you a feel like when Kaepernick was there. The kid can run the ball. He, we can see we see the arm strength, eighty yard bomb for a touchdown. Like um, he's special. I I wanted to see him have his time to sit behind Garoppolo, but I just I'm just not I'm I don't believe Garoppolo. Is going to be able to stay healthy, D, and we're going to see this kid uh, this season for the 49ers. Yeah, short and sweet for me. He needs to start week one. 
Dang, he need to bro. Start, he need to start week one. Dang. What's the reason for San Francisco to try to hold on to Jimmy Garoppolo? Bro, the man for won insurance, the Super Bowl. For insurance, who cares? Did he win it? No, he did not. If I'm the San Francisco 49ers, I'm calling Frank Wright and the Indianapolis Colts and saying, I know you need your quarterback. Because Carson Wentz, because Carson Wentz ain't going to be back. They lying on the media talking, oh, he could be ready week one. No, he won't. That man is out to at least week nine. Oh, I know you need a quarterback. Jimmy G's ready to go. Because <laughs> you can't bench Jimmy G. There's no way you can start Trey Lance and keep Jimmy G on the bench. That's anarchy. Mm-hmm. George Kittle and Debo Samuels was asked about this kid. And it like they was talking about their high school sweetheart <laughs> when they was talking about Trey Lance. George Kittle... Highest paid tight end in football has stars in his eyes. When asked about Trey Lance, he said, this kid is a baller. Throws a nice ball. Just hyping him up. It's like Jimmy G ain't even there. (laughs) If I'm the San Francisco 49ers, I would trade Jimmy Garoppolo. I wouldn't play him another down in preseason. Just to ensure that he is healthy. There are teams in the league who need quarterbacks. And if I'm the 49ers, Trey Lance will be starting day one. That kind of athleticism, bro, you don't, you, you can't find that. You can't pay for that. That type of athleticism, that power in that right arm that he got, <laughs> he need to be out there. Let him take his licks, licks. Let him take his bump throughout the season, and it gets you to a ten and six record, and get you to the playoffs. That defense is elite. Mm-hmm. Run game is elite. Tight end, elite. Run game, offensive line, coaching. Trey Lance needs to be starting week one. Jimmy Garoppolo, pack it up. <laughs> Will you on? Get him out of here. That's just how I feel about it. That's just where I'm at with it. All right, Black, let's move on to... You mean you talked about this yesterday. You kind of feel like Drew Locke and the Broncos kind of looking look good out there yesterday. What you see yesterday with the Broncos and Drew Locke, man? I really like what I saw from the Broncos. I really think... Um, I can't remember if they have a new head coach or a new offensive coordinator. I don't know what it is, but seeing Drew Locke... Let's talk about Drew Locke. Five for seven. 151 and two touchdowns. Yeah. That's D. That's pretty good. That, that's that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. And to see, just to see how they look, man, um, <laughs> this receiving called Courtney Sutton. Um, Judy. <laughs> Jerry Judy. I mean, uh, KJ Hamill. I mean, these guys that they got, man, these all royal talents they got, Drew Locke. Put on a show yesterday, man, in that four o'clock spot game, man, against Minnesota. And it was amazing to see them. These, these boys scored 33 points, D. Yep. 33 points in preseason. You know, so I'm th- I'm thinking, man, this offense for the Denver Broncos might be on the up and up because it looks like on the defensive side, D, the Broncos are going to be okay. And you don't want to know why I say that? And I know. Cowboy fans are some cowboy fans are really hurt today if they watch that game. I know I threw up in my mouth. Because they have another lockdown corner, future lockdown corner in this league, and Patrick Sertan Jr. Jesus. 
No disrespect to Michael Parsons, the beautiful linebacker. I think he's going to be a great linebacker for the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. But man, but man, Patrick Sertan Jr. has the goods, my boy. Made me sick. I seen two Cowboy fans this morning walking to work and they look sick. <laughs> I'm like, why are you looking down so bad? Man, I happened to watch Patrick Sertan and he getting pick sixes. He said, that's Pre-season. what we need. He said we was already good at linebacker. Why? He said, I hate them. I hate them for life. For life. The hell with them. With him on that defense with Von Miller and those pieces that they have on the D-line and those young up-and-coming linebackers, D, this defense could be something special. And now you have Drew Luck in the offense. Seem like they're going to be kicking it in to the, uh, to the next level. We could have something brewing here with the Denver Broncos, D. I'm liking what I'm seeing. I know it's just week one of preseason, but I'm liking what I'm seeing so far from the Denver Broncos in their offense. They did look good yesterday. I'll tell you what, Jerry Judy is so electrifying. He is. Some of those passes that uh, he caught yesterday and what he did after the pass, man, that dude is just so electrifying. Mm-hmm. Uh, look like their offensive line is healthier. They're, going, they're running the ball pretty good. And, and Drew Locke can play. Drew Locke got swag. He can play. He do. I think last year the offensive line was decimated. He was hurt. COVID. He was hurt. Just a lot of things going on. And I think the Broncos like Drew Locke. That's why they stuck with him and didn't go quarterback uh, in the draft. But like you said, it's preseason. But, hey, if you want to say who was the best-looking team so far in preseason, week one, I'll go with the Broncos. Mm-hmm. I'll go with the Broncos. After you called me, I kept watching. I said, you know what? Black might be on or something, man. These boys out here, they moving real swiftly. Andrew Locke got that swag. Yeah, he do, boy. He, he got, got that swag. He got a lot of swag, For sure, boy, for sure. And confidence. What, I just want to get your take on Patrick Sertan and the oh, defense. Man. I just like how you feel about that, being that you were one of the ones who wanted him. I prayed on my knees yeah. on a nightly basis. <laughs> As we led him to the draft. And I've been screaming, Patrick Sertan, Patrick Sertan, Patrick Sertan. And it hurt my soul deeply. It wounded me when the Denver Denver Broncos drafted him. And to see him pick six that thing yesterday, wearing that beautiful number two. God, he looks good in that number two. (laughs) And housed that thing. My stomach flipped three times. I was getting ready to eat my lunch, Black, and I couldn't eat my lunch. I had to put it in the microwave and put a napkin over it, Black. So it hurts me. But Chubbs, uh, Von Miller... Patrick Sertain, they have a healthy group of individuals, young players as well, mixed in with some key veterans, that if they can stay healthy, the Denver Broncos are going to have something to say in that, in, in that AFC West this year. Mm-hmm. I know you got the Chargers who are on the rise, and they are a sexy pick this year, the Chargers. And, of course, you got the, the, the juggernaut in Kansas City. My homeboy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The juggernaut Kansas City. And then you got an up-spark team with the Raiders, too. You do. The Raiders were 9-7 last year. You know, so John Gruden, he's been building up that team in Las Vegas, man. And everybody want to talk about the NFC West, and rightfully so, that that is a dead man's division. But that AFC West is shaping up to possibly something very, very intense. But the Denver Broncos, man, they're going to surprise a lot of folk. But we all know what's going to come down to, no matter what division you win, it's going to be coming down to quarterback play. And can mm-hmm. Drew Locke take that step to say, hey, guys, don't forget about us up here in Mile High. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's remaining to be seen. But, yeah, I do think that uh, that defense and Drew Locke, they're going to be ready to go. They're going to have something to say this year. All right, Black, we're going to we're closing out week one of the preseason. So before we move on, NFL Top 100. NFL Top 100 is actually playing right now. 
Uh, I would normally have it on in here in the studio we're recording, but I want, I, I got to go back and watch it. I want to hear what they got to say. So most of the times when me and Black record, we got something playing and it's on mute, you know what I'm saying, because we recording. But I didn't want to have the 100 on while we were recording because I want to go back and watch it and kind of just hear and, and listen to why these players are ranked where they are. But Black, this is always a fun time. The NFL Top 100. You get to see where... You know, players rank other players, and you know, of course, you get to see who's top ten and so forth and so on. So, Black, do you enjoy the NFL top one hundred? Oh, I do, Mm -hmm. I do. It, it, with all the talent, man, and then the type of year that we had with COVID, Mm -hmm. we didn't get to see a whole lot of players, but we got to see some new up and coming talent Mm -hmm. as well. That's uh, that's that's probably going to make this list. So, I'm excited about the one hundred. I can't wait till we get home. I I get home because that's the first thing I'm gonna cut on. Yep, to see what's going on with that. Yeah, so exciting time. Enjoy it. Can't wait till we come back next week and talk about that 10 through 1. Because on our next episode, you know, of course, they'll have it all wrapped up. So um, NFL Top 100 is a great time. All right, before we move on, before we move on, uh, let's see here. We're going to talk about the Fantasy League. All right, the Sports Desk Fantasy League, it is coming. It'll all be set up this week. Invitations will be going out for last year's winners and top uh, thing. If you made the playoffs last year, you'll get your invites first. And then after a certain slice of field, we're going to release it to the public. Still going to be a large league. We're making some adjustments to the waiver wire and trades and different stuff like that. It does get tough. You know, if you have injuries and you're trying to find players, it gets tough. But how good is your GM skills? All right, you find out definitely... In the RL Sports uh, Fantasy League, of course, Black is a defending champion uh, in our league. So this is our third year. This is our third year doing it. So this week, we'll have the league set up. And most likely starting next week, we'll be sending out the invitations. And then our draft will be held after week three. So of the preseason. Of the preseason. We're not going to do our draft before preseason ends. We're going to wait till preseason is done. And then that week while we're waiting, watching some college football, we're going to have our draft. So we just want to update you guys that, yes, the Sports Desk Fantasy League will be happening very, very soon. Look out for more details on Twitter and Instagram. All right. All right, we're going to transition out of the National Football League. And we're going to head to a sport that changed lives. (laughs) We're going to head to a sport that is gruesome. It tests loyalty, friendships, family, so forth and so on. Going to talk a little bit of college football. Let's go ahead and kick it off while I'm in a good mood.
right, Black, let's talk a little college football. I know you're excited over there, my boy, to talk some college football. So, Black, we had the coaches poll come out. Top 25 coaches poll for this upcoming season in college football. It's a very dandy list that they have constructed. Now, we do have the uh, AP poll coming out. And I think, I think this week the AP poll comes. I believe Thursday that's what was said. So, Black... Um, let's go ahead and get into the poll. Let's just go ahead and start from 25. We're going to go on up, man. And stop me if there's any issues for you there. At number 25, we have the Ole Miss Rebels. 24, we have Coastal Carolina. Stop. <laughs> What's up, my boy? What you got going on uh, with the can, Fighting Chanticleers? D, can you explain to me why the Fighting Chanticleers are even ranked this year? Sure. Why is that? Because what they did last year and what they oh. have coming back and their head oh. coach. Oh, okay. Any other that's questions, the reason my why? boy? Yeah, that's why all these teams are ranked where they are. Oh, Who you okay. got coming back and what your coach is. Okay. Don't be talking crazy about them boys. All right, move the on. The Chanticleers. Oh, I spent a lot of time there. Yeah, we're going to spend time <laughs> there because you <laughs> always hating on the Chanticleers. <laughs> all right, my boy. At number 23, we have Louisiana now. What Louisiana are they talking about, my boy? The Raging Cajuns, my boy, who knocked off uh, Okay, okay. I think who they beat last year? Iowa State. I think so, the beginning of the year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Louisiana at number the 23. The Raging Cajuns, yeah, my you boy. You like that, though, huh? I like that. Yeah, but you don't yeah. like the shots of Claire. Yeah. Boy, that's crazy, boy. <laughs> All right, my boy. We got At number 22, we have Oklahoma State. At 21, we have the Washington Huskies. At number 20, we have the Fighting Penn State Nittany Lions. At number 19, we have the Texas Longhorns, 18, the Iowa Hawkeyes, 17, Indiana, uh, Hoosiers, and 16, Skirt! Let's stop right there. We have the Canes from Miami. Now, is De'Aaron King coming back this year? Yeah, they say he's going to be ready to go week one. That's what they say? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. They're going to need him week one. Yeah, they sure is. <laughs> Um, so, you know, a lot of Miami Hurricanes was telling me that they was going to be top 10 AP coming into the season. They were going to be top 10 uh, in the rankings this year, Black. Now, for you being number 16, who do you have in front of you? Uh, you got the Wisconsin Badgers at 15, the USC Trojans at 14. Ah, are they in those guys' company? Maybe so. Black, how do you feel about the overhyped Miami Hurricanes coming in at 16? Yeah, I said it, overhyped Hurricanes. Uh... Man, it seems like every year we deal with this with Miami. They they kick our butt, so I can't speak on nothing there. And they always, they always after they play Florida State for some reason, they disappear. So I don't know exactly what to expect from Miami this year. They have a good quarterback in De'Aaron King. I like the kid's talent. He's very athletic. I think he could do some great things. But, D, this is going to be the thing, D. Week one. Chick-fil-A kickoff against the reigning defending national champions. Prime in, time, in, baby. In Atlanta, 3.30. Prime time. We going to see what Miami really has. Mm-hmm. This is the game that should be circled on their schedule. Mm-hmm. You got to come out and show the world week one what you about against the Crimson Tide. Mm-hmm. Nick Saban and them boys down there in Alabama. Mm-hmm. Them boys got a quarterback who making over a milli, who yeah. ready to rock and roll. Mm-hmm. De'Aaron King, they say he going to be ready to go. So this is what we, these you're going to get your questions answered quickly, D, 
in week one about the Miami Hurricanes. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing Miami. I'm looking forward to seeing them and, and what they have to offer. I mean, this is their third year in a row where they're calling out and saying what they are and they're back and they're finna make some noise. Okay, cool. Now, does anyone expect them to beat uh, Alabama? No, not even their own fans. Their own fans don't even think they're going to beat Alabama. I don't care who you are. But will they be able to compete against uh, the Crimson Tide? We'll find out. I mean, Alabama's rolling in some freshmen and some new quarterbacks and, and new offensive linemen and stuff themselves. So they have some questions that they need answering. Do I think Alabama will blow Miami out? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say they don't blow Miami out. But I do think it is a decisive win. Two touchdowns or more, uh, Alabama wins this game, and we'll get into predictions later. But I'm just waiting and willing and ready to see. Mm-hmm. Because the Miami Hurricane fans keep telling me. That they back and they ready to rock and roll. So, number 16, you have the Miami Hurricanes. At 15, the Wisconsin Badgers. 14, the USC Trojans. 13, the LSU Tigers. Number 12, the Oregon Ducks. And at number 11, skirt, skirt, skirt. (laughs) The Florida Gators coming in at number 11. Black, anything on the Gators surprisingly being outside of the top 10? Very shocked. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I really felt like the Gators should have been a top 10 team. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the head coach? I always forget his freaking Mullen. name. Uh, Dan Mullen. He's ain't, he's not the best recruiter in the world, but um, he uses the Porter very well and bringing some good talent, five-star talent as, as that. Uh, questions at quarterback, what they're going to be doing at quarterback. Uh, Have they announced a starter? Amari, I think I, I forget the kid's name. I don't want to say Emory his Jones, name. Emory Jones. Emory Jones. Yeah. It looks like. He may be the guy. Then they had this Richardson kid that a lot of people like. Okay. Uh, so it's going to be very interesting to see what they do at uh at quarterback. Offensively, no pits. Want to see how they feel the tight end position, mm. raw receiver position. I they got some nice young talent there. They still got the guy who transferred from Penn State. So want to see if he takes the the five star who came from Penn State. Uh, want to see if he takes the next step. Uh. With the Gators, but they got some. They got some talent. Uh, Dan Mullen does a great job in the transfer portal. Uh, he's got a very good recruiting class. I think he has a very decent recruiting class for twenty one. So I'm, 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 I was very shocked to see them rank number eleven. Um, I really, really uh, believe they're a top ten team based on what they have, what they did out of the portal, and what they're uh, bringing back. Uh, this year, but I'm going to keep a close eye on the Florida Gators this year. Yeah, I'm looking at the top 10, and um, it's kind of stunning that Cincinnati is ranked ahead of the Florida Gators. Uh, I'm I'm even going to say North Carolina being ranked ahead of Florida is something to look at there. I know they have uh, uh, Howell coming back at quarterback, a potential Heisman candidate uh, with the Fighting Mac Browns. We'll talk about them in a second. But uh, I think Florida got a lot of questions this year, especially offensively. We've seen what they look like without Pitts. They didn't look good. Kyle Trash was even back there still. They put up points, but they didn't win. They didn't win when they needed it the most. Must I remind all the Florida faithful very ha- happily, by I might add, they lost to Brad Johnson Jr. in Gainesville without Kyle Pitts. What has been replaced at Florida? Maybe a Florida fan, one of, maybe our college football correspondent, Cedric Farr, can fill us in. We'll have him on the show uh, as we lead up to the season. But I would like to know what exactly has Florida been, has replaced Pitts with? They lost Tony, Kadarius Tony, too. What did they replace? I mean, I think it's a lot of questions offensively. Emory Jones has been playing here and there, here and there for what, about three years now? 
So I think he's a senior at Florida, right? No, I think junior? he's like a junior. Got to be a junior. A red shirt, something, something yeah. like that. I think it's his third year. Yeah. I think it's, it's it's his time though to see what he has as a starter. Absolutely, it's his time it, to see. I think see. the kid is very. I think he's very talented. I think they have they. I really believe with him and the Richardson kid, I think they got some talent at quarterback. The question is, is going to be able to see what works for them out of the two. But uh, this is definitely uh, Emory Jones' year to to show that he's the leader of the Florida Gators. Would you see that? Would you say there's a lot of questions for Florida offensively? Uh, offensively, yeah, but we were able to see Florida, and we know Pitts played a big part of it. But they had they had some nice pieces uh, on the outside. I can't think of the kid's name from. That transfer from Penn State, but they got the Copeland kid coming back, who's really talented at receiver. They have some big body receivers coming back, so the the question is going to be is how do do they take the next step and become those guys like a Kyle Pitts was? So that's going to be the thing. I think they have all the talent in, in the pieces that they need. It's just going to be about them making the uh making the next step, D, and making sure their quarterback situation is right. Not worried about them in the trenches on the defensive line, offensive line. It could be some questions there. You know, that's why I want to get our, our football correspondent here uh, said he could tell us a whole lot more about Florida. But the defensive line, man, they got some names on that defensive line from uh, out of the transfer portal. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, what Florida looks like and see em- can Emory Jones take that next step uh, being the f- uh, quarterback this year. Yeah, I think Florida defensively always is going to be sound. I don't think there's no too many questions there on the defensive side of the ball, but we'll see. I do think they got some questions that on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, if you're a Florida super fan, you probably will say, no, there's not. But I'm not a Florida super fan, but I still pay attention to football, and I know what they lost. I know what they lost. So we're going to see if they're able to replenish anything and go out there and, and compete because – Florida's not favored to win the SEC. Uh, what is it? What side of the division they on? The uh, East or whatever. The South. Or what the East. Yeah, uh, I don't East? think they favored. Okay. Yeah, they're okay. not favored this year. Georgia is. Georgia is favored. From what I've read, Georgia is favored to win the SEC East this year. So we all know that that division comes down to that game most times. All right. So I guess we we'll have to pay attention to see. But yeah, the Florida Gators will be watching. All right. Let's go ahead and enter into the top ten. You have the Bearcats of Cincinnati at number ten. I'm not going to dwell too much there. I know they have a lot coming back. Their quarterback there is a potential Heisman candidate. Uh, he showed out uh, in a fantastic bowl game against LSU in the Cotton Bowl uh, last year. Cincinnati falling a little bit short there. But Cincinnati is a team that's on the rise. I know a lot of people love their head coach at Cincinnati. So that's going to be a team to watch. A lot of people are calling for Cincinnati to go undefeated this year. Mm. They're calling for them to go undefeated. So we'll have to pay close attention to that. At number nine, skirt! The Fighty Mac Browns. Yes, sir. Coach Mac Brown is at it again. Has a Heisman Trophy candidate as his quarterback. Most of the defense is coming back. Nice talent at the wide receiver position. They lost their two uh, running backs last year. Both of those guys getting drafted last year as well. But I think all in all, the talent for the Tar Heels mixed with the coaching of Mac Brown is the reason why they are ranked this high. Um, they are not favored to win the ACC. We know who is favored to win the ACC, but they are favored to get to the ACC championship this year. Black, with you over there disrespectfully rolling your eyes I'm, towards I, the Mac, towards bro, the Fighting Mac Brown. I'm not, I'm not Where is your stance for Sam Howell and the Fighting Mac Look, Brown? Um, it's only one question: Why they rank number nine? It's Sam Howell. Okay, you know Heisman quarterback. Uh, 
Heisman quarterback uh, guy who's candidate. Who, candidate. I'm sorry. Thank you. Heisman quarterback candidate. Um, questions at receiver for me. You know, I I know they got some young talent that got they got some opportunities to play last year because of injury. But want to see what these kids are going to be able to. They're another one. Want to see what these kids are going to be able to do at that receiver receiver position? Can they take the next step? Defense, I have to agree with you. D. Defensively, they returned a lot. They're going to be nice defensively. On the outsides, they got uh, a pair. Of, they got well on one side. I know they have a, a lockdown five star corner who who were reclassified and was able to get into the twenty one class, and uh, he's there awaiting his time to to be the guy on the defensive side of the ball to lock down one side. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do on the the skill positions. Running back, we're going to see how they how they plug. Is it going to be by committee again, or is it going to be one guy? So they have Carolina has some. I mean, the Tar Heels have some questions there uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, I think they solid. I have to agree with you. But offensively, you still have some questions. Sam Howell cannot be a Heisman candidate if his receivers don't take the next step and catch the balls that he's doing. That's questions that I have for the Tar Heels uh, that I want to see how they look at the at the skill positions on the outside. Ten four, really hanging in there with the Fighting Mac Browns. We'll talk about what we think they're going to do this season probably next week. All right, let's go ahead and go up. We have the Iowa State Cyclones sitting at number eight. Have the Notre Dame Fighting Irish at number seven. We also have the Texas A&M Aggies at number six. The Bulldogs of Georgia sitting at number five. The Buckeyes from Ohio State sitting at number four. And at number three, Spencer Rattler and the Oklahoma Sooners. Pocket breaks. Pump the brakes, bro. Are sitting at number three. What you got for that, Black? Listen, man. No disrespect. Yes, it is. Go ahead. It is disrespect, but go it's ahead. It's not disrespect. Uh-huh. It's not disrespect. Mm-hmm. Um, We talked about this, bro. We did. And this is my thing. And I'm looking at this thing after we talk. I know Oklahoma is returning a whole lot, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. My question is with Spencer Rattler. That's my question. You know why? Mm-mm. I'm looking at the quarterbacks before him, D. Baker Mayfield. Okay. Um, help me name him. Um, oh man. Kyler Crap. Murray. Huh? Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray. You got from Alabama. I'm, I'm Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. I'm looking at these guys and I'm looking at Spencer Rattler, and I don't see him as those type of quarterbacks. <sighs> This is this is the reason why I'm saying that those those three quarterbacks were dogs. They did they thing. Heisman Trophy winners. Yeah, Spencer Rattler, he's sexy. He looks good on the eye. He can throw the ball down the field. But you know the one thing that this kid's going to do and that's going to cause Oklahoma a national title this year? He's going to turn, turn the ball over. He's going to turn the ball over, D. We seen him in critical games last year. And I just sit back and really think about it. As a freshman? D. Jesus. We uh, that's that's not labeled it because he's a freshman. That's you got not to. No, you you cannot because we've seen great freshmen do Win. great things. Jameis Winston. One in a million. Name me another one. <laughs> Bruh, it don't matter. It does. He's been he's been labeled. He they has them as the Heisman front runner. Okay. They have him as the Heisman front runner. But games that they did lose last year is because he turned the ball over. I'm not sure when he goes up against the Cyclones, Texas on the up and up. If you say Texas might be ready this year, 
I and that's the in the Red River rivalry. We don't know what to expect from him. He beat them last year. He has all the talent around them. He has all the talent around him in the world. He beat a depleted Florida team in a bowl game. A depleted Florida team. If Kyle Pitts and and, and our other pieces would have so played, this what we doing? it wouldn't even been close. Oh my! It wouldn't God. even been close. Florida would have drugged you them in the mud. You are crazy. Florida would have drugged them in the mud. You crazy? Listen to me. Jesus Listen to me. Christ, this is disgusting. I love Oklahoma team. No, you don't. I do. But no, my don't. question, and it's going to continue to be my question, is Spencer Rattler. Can he not turn the ball over? Throwing bad passes in key moments. Lincoln Riley has to has to get this guy. Hopefully his mindset has changed for Oklahoma to get over the top. I do not think they're the third best team in the nation, D. Nuts. I don't. I know they have a lot of talent and they're returning a lot. I don't think they're better. I, I don't think they're better than the Georgia Bulldogs. I don't think they're better. I don't think they're better than the Texas A and the Maggies. And I don't think and I don't think I don't think they're better than Ohio State Buckeyes. Even even with questions at quarterback. That's ridiculous. Because like I told you when we had a discussion, we know what what is going to be with Ohio State plug and play at quarterback. We don't know that. Whoever the quarterback is, we don't know that. No, we don't. No, we don't. No, we don't. No, we don't. Texas and them, that could be a question. But defensively and the pieces they have, offensively and the way that they recruit. I really believe that they're better than Oklahoma. So why is it a question? Why is it a question for Ohio State plug and play, but it's not a question for Texas A and M? It's not. Why? Because I'm talking. This, I'm talking about the system, D. The system. Man. The type of so, system they run. They don't run the same type of system, D. I'm talking about the system. The way Ohio State build, they, it's built for their quarterbacks to be successful. We've seen that over time. When when the last time you seen Ohio State quarterback look bad? I'm just, just, I'm just saying. When was the last time you seen one look bad? You can't, D. You can't name it. So that's why I said I will have to get him to nod over Oklahoma, and then Georgia, they gonna punch you in the mouth, run the ball. They gonna have is Georgia defense is Oklahoma defense better than Georgia's? D. I think if you was a if you was a betting man, you're gonna lean towards Georgia's defense, not Oklahoma's. So that's why I'm putting those teams. The factor for me for Oklahoma, who has an awesome team, if Spencer Rattler can be under control and not turn the ball over, they could potentially get to a natty, but I don't think he's going to be able to do that, D. And that's why I stand with the Oklahoma Oklahoma Sooners this year. You know, I I just got a bunch of issues with your reasons for dissecting. Uh, hold on, you got off? Okay. You got? I got a bunch of issues with you dissecting a 19 year old freshman. Coming sophomore. out, of, hold on. Sophomore. Yeah, sophomore now. Sophomore. He started as a freshman. Let me get off. I know what I'm talking about. Okay. A 19-year-old freshman walking out on the field who lost two games last year. His first loss was 38-35 to Kansas State, and then they lost 30-37 to Iowa State and didn't lose another game. You know why he lost those games? Because he turned the ball over. And he was 18 years old. <laughs> Name me another quarterback. Bro, Hold on. Let no. me get off. I'll let you get off. Okay. I'll let you get off. Okay. You want to you wanna bombs away on this kid because he a freshman? I'm not bombs yes, away Yes, you him. are. This is his third game at 18 years old at one of the biggest schools in the country. They finished 10-2, win the Big 12. What are you talking about? 
Okay. So you want to sit here and tell me that Ohio State has nothing at quarterback proven? You want to sit and tell me that Texas A&M has nothing at quarterback? Georgia has nothing at quarterback proven. But you want to take an aim at this kid for being a Heisman candidate for the numbers that he put up and want to say that the Buckeyes are better than them? You're nuts. I'm not. We know what football is about. It's about one thing and one thing only. What do you have under center? Mm-hmm. And they have a quarterback who's a Heisman candidate who went 10 and 3 last year, won his conference. And you want to measure him up against dudes who ain't took a snap? You are I mean, out of your mind for I'm dissecting not. him like that. I'm not. You want to say he's going to I'm turn not. the ball over? Name another 18 year old quarterback. Name me another one who comes in the door who plays for a big time school on the regular. Name me one. You can't. You can't name yeah, another one. It doesn't happen. Sometimes exactly. it do. Exactly. So you mean you're not going to get this kid the pass in his first four games as a collegiate college football quarterback? And you're not going to judge what he did on the back half? No, I'm not going to judge the back half. Because he in the, won. Because in the, because, what you mean? He won the Big 12. Okay, D. I understand that. I understand that he won the Big 12. But when games matter... Those games that could potentially keep you out of the playoff, you lose to the can you lose to Kansas State. Who was the other team that lost to? Who Iowa State. Team? And, and, and Iowa they, State. They lost to Iowa State okay. last year. Oh my God. They were number six in the country. It don't. It doesn't matter. Okay, man. When it matters, you bugging. When I'm not you bugging. Are when bugging. it matters, you are, you are games that could have been won that could have potentially got them into the playoff and play for potential to play for a national championship. He turned the ball over okay. and he's lost. Okay, so in the Big 12 said, championship. I'm not, no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> this is the thing. I'm not dogging the key, D. I said yes, you the are. concern you are. for me is him. You are. Is when he turns the ball over. In his first three games. In big games, Mr. Heisman candidate this year. The pressure's on this year. Okay. Heisman front runner for the Heisman this year. Okay. For what I saw from you last year. On the back end, yeah, you did good. Schedule yeah, was a little did. light. You went to a you went Schedule to a was a little light. You, you want me to read out who who they played? Kansas State good, D. I said late in the year. They played in the third game of the year. They who played they Kansas play? State third game of the year. Who they played when it was twenty one to twenty one in the Big Twelve Championship, and no twenty one to twenty. Excuse me, and uh, Iowa State was up. Final possession. Who drove them down and had the game win a touchdown pass to give Oklahoma the Big 12 championship? He did. But uh, Spencer Rattler. He did. So don't sit here and talk to me about an 18-year-old freshman in his third ever game in college football. And he threw an interception against Kansas State. And you want to sit here and tell me that's something that you're holding on to? I'm that not is saying, ridiculous. I didn't say I'm holding on to it. Okay. I didn't say I was holding on to it. Okay. I'm saying what the questions are. Okay. He turns the ball over, D, no matter if they're winning or losing. Okay. And in a, in a year like this, with, with the hype that you're having, with especially with the hype that you had last year okay. coming in, as a freshman... They thought you were going to do big things last year. Okay. But you lost key games that you wasn't supposed to lose. Yeah, on the back end, you answered some questions. You got people. This is why you're in the position you are now, because the back half of what you did is great. And, it's, it, and I'm not saying it's, it's no disrespect to him. My, my questions for him this year, D, is can he stay poised and not turn the big ball over in big games? He showed you. We know that, we know that the Big 12 
more than likely Oklahoma usually wins that, which I don't think they all win this year because I think the Cyclones going to be knocking at the door and maybe open that door, as you said, this year. That's what I want to see what he does. I'm no disrespect to the kid. I think he's very talented, D. He's wanted Heisman Trophy candidate. He's he's wanted that front runner. But my question is, D, I've seen him, you've seen him in games where he turns the ball over, win or lose. And that cannot happen. That's what kept him out the playoff last year. That's what kept him out the playoff last year. If he beats Kansas State and beats Iowa State, which he did beat Iowa State in the in the championship game, but he lost to him in the regular season where it matters the most. How if does he it matter most? If he, How if, does it matter most if it's the second game of the year versus the Big Twelve Championship? If he beats, if he beats Ohio State, if he beats Iowa State twice, who's been who was ranked in the top ten? You don't tell me they get in the playoff. <laughs> no, no, no. Because not of the fourteen. Not of the fourteen who made it. No, no, they don't no, make. Not of the fourteen who made all it. All the no. love that Ohio State get. I mean, all the love that Oklahoma get. They wouldn't have made the playoff, bro. Over was, Notre Dame. Uh, no, Notre Dame had one loss, and they won losses to the, the Clemson. No, bro. They didn't have no losses. Notre Dame lost to Clemson in the ACC championship game. They sure did. Okay. Still made the playoffs. So oh, you don't. That's what I'm saying. You don't uh, tell me uh, an Oklahoma team would have got in over Notre Dame. Yes, exactly. That's what I'm saying. No, I'm just, no, I'm saying Notre Dame's gonna get in over Oklahoma. No like way. that's not even a question. No way. If you, if we on the committee, it's no way I'm putting a one loss Notre Dame team. Over, over, uh, Oklahoma, a one loss Oklahoma team. All right, we, we switching the subject because I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, Bruh, Notre no Dame's, Notre Dame's stature is way bigger than Oklahoma's, and you know that. I don't even know why you're doing this. Notre Dame's stature is at the top of college football for crying out loud. They play on their own network, NBC. They're the D, biggest attraction in college ta- football. What are you D, talking about? Me. They have one me. loss to Clemson. Who's made? Who's 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 what made? Talking about behind Alabama and Clemson. Who's been in, who's been in the playoffs more times other than those I don't, I, I Oklahoma? I don't care about that. And you ask me, you ask me a question, I answer it's it. No way. There's it's no, no way. There's no way a for one me, loss Notre Dame me. team was not gonna get in after losing. They beat Clemson early in the year. You can't justify that. And you they, can't and justify they, it. And what are you talking about? Brains beat in the second cr- time, and they and beat them a one earlier. You telling me if Oklahoma. Doesn't beat Iowa State twice a, t- a team right no, in the top ten. They don't. They don't get in. No. Okay. Not when your I only mean. loss was to the number one team in the country, who you already they beat. They won the number one team in the country, who you already beat. Okay, excuse me, the number two team in the country, <laughs> who you already beat. They won the number. T- I'm just saying, bro. Man, listen that to don't me. Make sense. It do make sense. It don't. It does. Don't. Because Oklahoma, whenever they've had one loss, they have one. They have one loss with Kyler Murray. And was able to get in the playoff. They had one loss. What? Man, you uh, can't come, be comparing I'm just, stuff from bro, the past. I'm just saying. I'm just saying Oklahoma. Huh. I'm just saying Oklahoma. I would pick them over Notre Dame, not just because how okay, historic okay. they is. All right, all right. And the juggernaut okay, okay. above. You want right. to call a college football? Okay. No. The question is for me with Oklahoma. Spencer, Spencer Rattler. Rattler. All right, tenfold. That's the question. All right, tenfold. I think that is absolutely egregious, and I think it makes no sense for I what you say. I just want you to know that. That don't make no it, sense. It, it makes while plenty you think, sense. While you think Oklahoma shouldn't be the third best team in the country over teams who don't have a proven quarterback against a guy who lost his games earlier in the year and ran off the rest of the year and won his conference. That doesn't make sense. It does make sense. Next up, because if he would have won all his games, he would have been in the playoffs. Okay, all right. And like I told and you, what reason, and, and like and I told, what reason, and like I told you, name me another eighteen-year-old quarterback man, who's done it besides Jalen Winston. I don't want to name no guy. Exactly, he's, he's done it. 
He's done it. Man, it's 150 years of college football. I don't care. He's done it. And Jameis was a red shirt. He's done it. This is a true friend. And had just about the same amount of hype as Jameis had coming into Florida State. Now you being sacrilegious. Saying Spencerella had the same height as Jameis Number one quarterback coming out of his class. You drunk. through the roar. You drunk. Hype. If you think Spencerella is the same as Jameis I'm saying hype. You drunk. I said hype. You're drunk. I'm not drunk. That's what you are. I said hype. That's what you are. You had the same hype coming out of high school. No, oh, he did world not. Telling. Yes, he did. Okay. no, he did not. All right. All right. No, he well, did you, not. Need you, to, you need to go revisit you some can't stuff. Just, you cannot you justify what you said. What you you can't justify what you said. I'm telling you, I'm locked in in high school and everything that okay, goes on, I'm so locked what? in. So, I'm telling you, the hype was so? the same. I watched the, the game. The I watched the game. I don't care much you being locked I'm in. I'm, I'm watching the games too. Yeah, and I'm watching them too. So what you mean? I'm, I'm watching them slide just on like, me like you. that. Talking about you locked in. And we, so? didn't, and we didn't seen talent. So hype talent, what they can do in their first year as a quarterback. No, we haven't. Yes, we have. No, we haven't. That's yes, what you're talking about. Man, you said undefeated. On, you said undefeated. Man. Come on, man. That's what you said. All right, don't try to switch up now. You said undefeated. You said undefeated. He would be undefeated if he didn't turn the ball over. He would be undefeated. Go back and look at the games. Check it. Fat check it. If he don't turn the ball over, uh-huh. the Oklahoma Sooners would be undefeated and in the playoffs. All right. All right, my boy. At number five, we got the Georgia Bulldogs. At number four, we got the Ohio State Buckeyes. At number three, the Oklahoma Sooners. Number two, the Clemson Tigers. And at number one, we have the Alabama Crimson Tied to wrap up the top 25 in college football. So, all in all, we're looking forward to uh, talking more about college football, getting into these inspired debates, and continue having the conversation uh, that we're going to have week in and week out as we get ready to open up for college football. Um, so, yeah, so we're well over two hours. We have some other things on the docket. We're not going to be able to get to those today. We'll talk about those uh, on next week's episode. But all in all, hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the sports desk um please if you have any thoughts any opinions any anything regarding what we talked about here today we would love to hear from you guys on twitter and on instagram or if you know us personally you could text our phones we would love to have a conversation about whatever it is you want to have a talk about again go check out the malice in the palace uh documentary uh documenting the <sighs> explosive one in a once in a lifetime nights in NBA history, executive produced by Jermaine O'Neal. All right, before we get out of here, remember fantasy draft. Fantasy draft is coming. The uh, Sports Days Fantasy Draft is coming. We're going to lock that up this week. Invitations will be given out uh, the following week. Draft will not be held till after the preseason is complete. I'm your guy, Desert L. Higgs Jr. One more time, you can catch me on Twitter. And Instagram at that name. Appreciate you guys pressing play one more time. Listen to us at the Sports Days. But you got anything else? Yeah, uh, y'all can hit me on Twitter and Instagram at BlackENL3. Y'all hit me up, man. Let's talk about it. Excited about fantasy football. Excited about football season. Uh, y'all keep rocking with us, man. We appreciate all the love and support. Yes, sir. And so until next time, you guys stay safe, be cool, take care of yourselves. And we'll be talking to you guys very, very, very soon. Hey, this is Deuce Lunch Sports, man. Come on, now. Are you ready to go? Are you ready to go? Are you ready to the go? Sports show. Are you ready to go? 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 Are you ready to go?
to the sports desk. New sports desk.